When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Before we get started this episode of Bench with Bubba, I want to talk to you about Rotoballer.com. If you guys know me by now, you've listened long enough, you know I have my written content for DFS and other season-long fantasy products over at Rotoballer.com. And if you're still grinding along in the NFL streets, season-long playoffs, DFS for the NFL, don't wait any longer. Go to Rotoballer.com, get the NFL Premium Pass. Are you ready to dominate your season-long in DFS leagues? Rotoballer's NFL Premium Pass includes lineup tools, projections, and DFS cheat sheets for all formats. Get access to exclusive articles, DFS tools, lineup optimizers, and premium Slack chat rooms. I do the weekly DFS cash game values, even the, and then the Saturday even, doing some uh, extra previews for the, the week's DFS slates. Come check all that out and join in on the winning and take... 50% off any premium pass, not just football. If you want basketball, baseball's coming up, all that good stuff. 50% off any premium pass. Use my my promo code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A, for another 10% off. So you get 60% off a premium pass. It's that simple. So get in, get ready, finish the NFL season in a strong, strong way with rotoballer.com, NFL premium pass, already at 50% off now. Use promo code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A, for another 10% off when you purchase. Just visit rotoballer.com backslash radio, sign up today, and start rotoballing like a boss. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 435. We have a special guest joining me tonight, first time on Benched with Bubba, to talk some NFBC cut line. We've done a lot of draft champion stuff with some greats in that avenue of things. He's done very well on that as well. But uh, the cut line format is, it's a tricky one. If you're if you're used to your roto formats, this takes a different little animal to you. So I'm really looking forward to this. He's been doing this. At, we'll, we'll get over his history in a minute, but he's been doing it since it started. Let's put it that way. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Jones Curtis W. Cujo himself. Curtis Jones, how we doing, man? Yeah. What's up, Bubba? How's it going? Look forward to this. Good, good. Thanks for joining me, man. This is going to be a lot of fun. Um, you know, like we've talked about setting this up for a few months now. I like, guess has been a, a thing we've wanted to do, but it's fun, like listening to uh, Vlad's podcast a few weeks ago with Brock and they were talking about you. Like everybody knows Curtis Jones when it comes to cut lines. So let's just get to the the, the brass tacks of it. Like, let's let people know what's your history like with this, with the NFBC. You know, it's been going forever, but um, you're not just a cut line guy. I want to clarify that, but this is yeah. one thing you do very well. So what's kind of your history in the NFBC? Yeah, so I, you know, I've been playing uh, fantasy baseball since college and, uh, you know, it's doing pretty well in my home league, which is, I think is going into its 12th year this year. 
Uh, we do an auction. We have a few keepers each year. Can't keep anybody longer than you know three years, so it's not quite like dynasty, but definitely like your stay at home league with guys I've known forever and uh, doing well in that. So I was like, all right, I'll I'll try out some of this uh, high stakes online stuff. And so on 2014, I started, and I think I started with DCs like everybody does, right? And um, had some success early on, and then uh, uh, you know I. I the cut line started in 2016, so I played in a few cut line leagues then. Um, I just, I think I won back-to-back in my home league, so I was feeling uh, pretty high on my horse. And I, I split a main event uh, team with somebody that year and just jumped right in. I should have probably started with some online championships or some of the smaller <laughs> leagues, but uh, I went in there, and I was actually in the league with uh, Rob Silver the year that he won. Um, oh, I played a little part in that. I think I, I gave up on John Gray after like a month after he was getting smoked. And uh, Rob picked him up, and then he was awesome the rest of the year. So uh, I, I, you know, took it a little easy on those uh, big leagues for a little while after that, but I kept doing cut line. I did some more DCs, um, and I started doing an online championship. It was kind of like right in my wheelhouse. I've been doing 12-team, you know, leagues forever with Fab, and um, those leagues are a lot of fun. I still play in those. Now I mostly do cut lines early in the season, and then I draft online championships, and then I draft, you know, a couple mains. Um, this year, I'm actually going to Vegas for the first time, which I'm super excited about. So I'm going to do a main and one of those uh, $1,500 auction championships. So it'll be my first auction on NFPC, so I'm, I'm sure I'll be horrible in the draft, even though I do auctions in my home league. But it'll be a little different sitting you know, next to Matt Medica and some of those other super good guys that have been around forever. It it is different, that's for sure. But like you could hold your own. You've, like you said, you've been doing yeah. it for so long. It's not like it's your first auction ever, so that's going to be big. And um, yeah. it's kind of it's crazy to think about that you literally do almost every format they have. And it's yeah. um like you go from the DCs, the draft and holds, and you go to your cut lines, your best balls, and you go to your 12, 12 league, twelve team fabs, and you got some fifteen team fabs. Yeah. You cover like the entire gamut of it. And you, you know, you've probably heard so many people talk about it. It's some people like focus on just kind of like one area because you know, OC fab is so much more different than the 15 team main event fab. And then, you know, yeah. obviously we'll get to the cut line fab. That's a whole nother animal. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of hard to wrap your head around the different formats. How do you transition to that? Even like drafting's even different. How do you yeah. kind of get the headspace? It might be a simple answer for you, but to me, it's kind of interesting. Cause like, I almost like I did a bunch of, you know, DCs already like between 12 and 15s. And I'm like, I'm taking a break now because I'm getting ready to do fab leagues. I need like refocus type thing. Yeah. How do you kind of keep shifting from different formats? Because that's a, a quite a skill, I believe. Yeah, I, I do try to uh, kind of phase draft season. You know, I'm yeah. I never really stop listening to podcasts and prepping. And I, you know, I've got my notebook that I like take all my notes on as I'm listening to podcasts and um, sort of building my draft board. But I really try to do cut lines and other best balls, some of those best ball 12s and stuff that they started doing either last year or the year before. And I try to do that all early. So I do a lot of cut line uh, leagues. I'm usually in the 20s the past few years. Um, I'm on draft number seven right now for cut line, which is not as much as some of those crazy DC guys, but, you know, it's a fair amount. Um, But I try to get, you know, most of those in before I get to those online championship drafts because you really have to change you know, you're in the cut line and, and, and it's a points league. It's a, a best ball league. Um, and the NFPC uh, does, you know, like ideal lineups each week. So they, they literally make your lineup the best it can be for that week. And multi-position eligibility works. Whereas on, on fan tracks where a lot of people also play, you know, a guy is like just a second baseman or just a shortstop. So 
you know, Jake Cronenworth is eligible at three positions in NFBC, and you really pay for that, especially in cut line. And he's going play, I don't know, 40 spots and he would go higher than he would go if he was just a second baseman. But you're know, kind of paying for that flexibility that allows you to get that ideal lineup that's a little better. So I'm really like, I'm there. I'm trying to, you know, build the best team. And I take a lot of hitters early and a lot of pitchers late. And, you know, whereas in uh, in fab leagues and in online championship with an overall, I'm really trying to stay balanced throughout the draft. You know, we all know saves have been crazier than ever this year. I haven't done an, done an OC, even though I've been tempted. <laughs> Usually yeah, I was, to I was very tempted with these, like, with these uh, 1130 Eastern ones they started dropping. I'm like, oh, that's like yeah. kids uh, in bed. Like, <laughs> so close. I'm like, yeah. I wanted to wait till March, though. Like, this is close. I know. I know. And those drafts are just so, they're so different, right? Like, you've mm-hmm. got to get speed early. you got to get your saves early. You know, taking pitchers higher. I'll usually take, like, one good pitcher in a cut line early, unless they really drop. I try to like let the draft come to me. I don't come with like a set. I'm doing this every year, but you know, every round, but um, it's such a different mindset, like you were saying. And then main events are a whole different ball game where pitchers get pushed way up the 15 team, you know, league it gets really thin at the back end. You kind of like the last couple of rounds, you're like, all right, I'm going to take this spot starter for week one in my last round and then replace him in bad. And that's why you have people that, you know, concentrate on those leagues. I think your your boy Toby, I think only yep. plays in fifteens. He Reece, you know, only plays in fifteens. Like there's people that just say like, oh, Fab is so different. The league is so different. I just can't, you know, I can't switch. I, you know, I have more success in OCs than I do in mains, but I like the competition. I like the challenge in mains. I cashed in my first main last year. I'd been in first place for a lot of the year and I ended up in third, but I was still happy to like get that that first cash under my belt. So um, last year was actually my best year ever, even though I didn't make it into the top 20 in cut line. I've had two top 10 overall finishes in cut line um, in two different years. Uh, I think 2019 and 2020. And then um, last year I had my, my most successful year just because I finished third overall in the online championship out of, you know, 2400. You know, famously, some guy named Phil finished in second. And hit Who's that guy? Is he has he been on any podcast or is he anywhere these days? I can't, I've never heard of him. He's here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he and we are all taking notes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's giving away too much, but you know, he's giving away some tidbits. And, yep. I mean, super guy. I was cheering for him and everything else. I just heck yeah. He let me stay in second. And, uh, yeah, he he. No, sh- it was. It showed like everybody. There's so much competition. You know, some guys don't get along with some guys. Just the way life works. But yeah. like there wasn't many people you didn't find like the last month rooting for Phil to like do the inevitable, like the impossible. Everybody was, if you pretty much, if you weren't like in second or third or whatever, like if you didn't have a chance at it, everyone's rooting for him. It was like, just go get it, man. Do it. It was awesome. And he told me, you know, a couple weeks before he's like, I'm coming for you. You know, we were like DMing on Twitter and he's just like, if I, if I shoot the moon and pitching, you know, I can, I can make a move. And, uh, and I was, you know, I was in first and then like, I don't know, maybe two or three weeks uh, left in the season. Uh, Fesler passed me and I, you know, the only uh, position I wasn't all the way at the top in was speed. And I, I tried to like go for some of those speed guys and it just didn't work in the last two weeks. I didn't hit it all. I mean, yeah. I was like, getting three hits a night, like two bombs and a steal on a week. I mean, the last two weeks it totally collapsed and, uh, and Phil shot the moon in pitching. I mean, just like Logan Webb and Ranger Suarez and like the guys he picked up, they just killed it. 
Yep, that's the way it works, though. It's like (laughs) there's always like some luck that's involved. There's a lot of skill too, and he's a smart, smart man. Like that's why I always like like to clarify it because I think we all admit there's a there is a lot of luck that takes place. Like you have to avoid injuries, you have to do this, but like you know what you're doing. What Phil did with it, like there was a method of the madness too. Like, and and he's talked about like you said on some of the shows when he dropped Walker Bueller or like things that most people wouldn't do. He had like a logistical step by step of why he did it. I'm like, okay. That's fine. That works. Right. Yeah. And you didn't just like say, like, screw it. I'm dropping him. No, he had a reasoning behind it. So it made sense. Um, but back to you. And let's, uh, you, you mentioned you did well in the cut line, you, the OC last year. You've done well in the DCs. Um, when you're transitioning from these, and again, we're going to get strictly cut line pretty soon, but I want to kind of yeah. talk, talk some other stuff here for a bit. Um, I, I like the way you said it. Like, you find like you have more fun, I guess, and more success in the 12s, but you like the competition in the 15s. And I, I, I echo that sentiment. Like you said it much better than I said it before. I always say like, I like the 12s because I can go on a fab, like when the guy gets hurt and there's like options. So it's yeah. still kind of fun. Where like yeah. at a 15, if you lose, like a guy gets hurt, the replacement value sucks. And then you right. have to overpay for them. And you're doing all the, like it just, it kind of feels depressing after a while certain, yeah. in certain leagues. Where the 12s, you're kind of all like, I picked up Joey Votto in one, like I took Chisholm in one. Like there's always guys that are kind of sitting around. You can do things yeah. and you're never really out of it until at least later in the year where a 15, like if you get a couple injuries early, it's, so, it's tough. I mean, you, you replace, you replace uh, Lindor last year with Edmundo Sosa. You're yeah. like, well, it's I'm done. And if you take a couple pitching injuries in a main, it's over. Yep. You just like early on, you know, your pitching looks good and a couple of your guys gets hurt and a closer goes down. And I had um, one of my main that finished in fifth last year where I ruined or wasted the best offense I've ever put together in a main. I mean, it was awesome. And my pitching was just a disaster. Yeah. I mean, um, I had, I, you know, I drafted Rosenthal. I had like seven, oh, I was, yeah. I think was going through the same thing. I remember listening to your podcast and I mean, I had seven saves going into all-star break. Yep. <laughs> <And Toby>, if- <laughs> yeah. On top of it. So it was like, it was a toe. Pitching was just going yeah, Toby, I think, I think he almost went like two months without one save or something. Yeah. It was just him. I remember Jen said, talked about it. it. Like, it was a wild one. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, in an OC, you know, with two months to go, like you could have picked up. Uh-huh. I mean, these guys are sort of available in mains, but just so hard to get them. But you could pick up Floro and Finnegan and like yeah. all these guys were getting you saves. And, and, and in OCs, there's only two or three guys in the league in the last two months that are going after saves. Yep. In the main, it's always six, seven, eight, nine guys in your league chasing. Yep. And you're, you're paying like crazy. It's just a different beast. And it's like I try to you know, get guys on to talk fab on it and stuff, but it's it's hard to narrow it down because it's so league dependent. It sounds like lazy, but that's why when Toby and I do the weekly shows during the season, we go over like the fab and it's just like the lowest yeah. bid was a dollar in one league. This other league was like $380. <laughs> It was just but those crazy. podcasts are still. I mean, I know it feels like you know fruitless on your end, but like we we really appreciate those podcasts. I mean, oh, I, uh, it helps me out a ton. I, I appreciate it. And, yeah. you know, I, I listen to the one on the athletic that goes through like the you know fab for that weekend, and like it's a lot of prep, and I spend all week like taking my notes. But you don't want to miss anything. Yeah, certainly don't want to miss anything easy like the low hanging fruit that you're like oh. I can't believe I forgot about that guy. The easy one, dude. Like, I totally get it. And that's what's funny because I know people probably don't care about this stuff, but I, I'm having fun chatting about it. But yeah. I, I do two to three podcasts for season long a week. I write articles. I still listen to podcasts every day. I subscribe to Vlad's article. Like, just same thing. I don't want to miss something. Like, there's there's so much going on and so many different things. And 
if I'm going to be the first to admit there's a lot more smart people than me doing this. So it's just, you know, if you can't learn from other people, you're just kind of fool yourself is the way I look at it. So yeah. um, there's a ton of great stuff. So I like how you said that, like you, you're, you're checking all your boxes because there's so many things that could take Plus, You got kids. I, we have life. There's life. Yeah. <laughs> so, exactly. um, but before we get, I think the last thing I got for you here, you mentioned you got your notebook, you got your player pool. How do you differentiate from different formats? Do you try to diversify? Do you have a lot of similar players in those formats? Like, how do you go about that? Yeah, I um, I don't go about, you know, early on in the year trying to diversify. I get a lot of the same kind of late guys, but I try not to go, you know, crazy. You know, my top owned guy will probably be in the 55 to 60% range, and it'll be a late guy. Um, last year, unfortunately, it was like Scott Kingery and Hunter Dozier. And they were a disaster. They were kind of my late, you know, two of my late cut line guys. Uh, I did, you know, I had a bunch of Freddie Peralta, which was great. But, you know, I, it'll it'll be later guys that you tend with those like really high percentages. I do try to diversify a little bit early on. Um, like, I, you know, it, cut line, you don't have a KDS. So you just kind of get randomly assigned draft positions and you can find yourself with like, a bunch of eights and nines and tens in a row. I try to just make, there's a lot of those like outfielders going at the end of the round and endeavors. And I just try to like mix it up. So I've got, you know, I've got a trial Acuna team. I've got a, you know, a, a Devers, uh, Kyle Tucker team, you know, I've got a Jose Ramirez, something else team. I, you know, I try to get like some of those duos early and switch it up a little bit, but, but by the maybe fifth or sixth round, like if it's my guy, it's my guy, you know, yeah. I'm going to end up with a lot of troubles. Trevor story, for instance, this year, going on like the 50s and cut lines like if he keeps going in that sixth round like i'm i'm gonna take him every time he's there basically but that won't end up being more than say 40 50 percent just because it's okay. so early on whereas guys got an adp of 240 i can sort of continuously take him at 220 or something like that that works gotcha and it's hard right now because usually you know there's always news going on guys are getting ready for spring training so adp fluctuates a lot more but we're kind of stagnant because there's nothing yeah. going on so i think yeah. there's some movement in adp it's not a ton. Yeah, the so, best news we get is like, oh, Dan Straley signed a minor league deal today. I mean, yeah. that that's not really going to move a lot. You know, he might jump 50 spots in DCs, but yeah, he's not really getting drafted in most cut lines. So. Like the most the most news we get now is like, hey, Ronald Acuna, he uh, took more betting practice. So. Hitting missiles. Yeah, I know it doesn't really matter, and I know he that's what he does. But that bet, like, if I was inside that batting cage, I'd be terrified. Yeah, he's he's locked in right now. Like, <laughs> I know I know some people say it's like, well, I want to see him, you know, cutting and stuff. I get it. I I, yeah. I get that, but he can also DH for a couple of months. Like the, the the thing I've said the whole time with Ronald Acuna, like if you're drafting him, you have to understand he's probably not running for at least the first half of the season. Like yeah. like that's just the reality of it. So you're not yeah. going to get you know 30 steals, but you might get 15 to 20 by the end of the season. But just remember, cool. he was going for 40 40. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Trust 40, me, I was 40, like I was team stuff. I was team Acuna pick one in recent yeah. years and i got i got exactly. that so I, I don't think i've actually gotten him in my first you know seven cut lines but i'm gonna make sure to have you know a couple in case he goes nuts yeah i've i i feel bad for passing on him in some dc so far like i'm, I'm not happy about it so you yeah. hear somebody i heard somebody lately said i want my first round pick to play on opening day and like there's a lot to be said for that and yep. cut line yeah like you want to get hot and healthy kind of in those later cuts especially you know, you got to stay in that top, I think it's the top 100, and then it's the top 20, and then the top 20 in that last round, like, all three of you, or all 20 of you are in the overall on your cash-in, and you want to get to the top, but 
you got to get there. You know, you yeah. got to finish top two in your league to, to get to that first top cut. And the next three will be in like the wild card round, but the wild card round is kind of dead. A few people move up to the top tier, but it's really hard and it's kind of a crapshoot. Well, and if it if it's like I remember, like okay, the wild card round can move into the next round for the top tier, but you're so far behind in the top tier, advancing in the next round after that's pretty much impossible. Yeah, so it's like really you said, you're hard kind of drawing dead. Wild back into that top twenty, in other words, yeah. they do pay out like you know the top five of the final wild card something, you know, a couple thousand bucks or something. So it's there. I mean, yeah. it's nice. <laughs> I'm not turning it's down a couple thousand sure. dollars, right? But like, you know, you want to be in there for that seventy five thousand. I think it is yeah. next year for top prize. So. Well, all right, let's talk cut line because this is fun. It's a different format. Like most of the time on this show, we talk 12-team, 15-team, Roto and stuff like that. Like I said, we've been talking DCs a lot because that's just kind of the season. But cut line's cranking up. Vlad did a draft. Matty Wood did a draft live on uh, on YouTube. You've been doing, you said, I think, six drafts so far. Yeah, I'm in my seven. I was in Vlad's, uh, the, the beat Vlad okay. live stream. That's right. So you're in your seven. I saw, I was looking in the lobby. There's a lot in the lobby. So you can sign up for those pretty soon. Um Let's kind of get into it. So it's a 10-team league, as yep. you said, and it's best ball. So kind of explain to everybody how the best ball point system differs kind of from your Roto formats. Yeah. So, um, you know, they, it was originally designed, uh, you know, by by a couple of the, you know, longtime guys, Hudson and KJ Duke are both kind of like legends in the industry. And KJ Duke is one of the best players out there in every format. <laughs> he dominates in the cut line. He dominates in the DCs. You don't want to see him in your main event. I mean, he's... He's one of those like three or four or five guys, um, but they designed it to mirror five by five Roto, um, which I think is super helpful because if you're going over there and you're drafting on, on fan tracks and people love those best ball leagues, but it is a different game, you know, pitching gets moved way up. And like I said before, you know, each guy only has their one position. And, you know, I used to do it just cause I was a draft fanatic. I'd, I'd play a couple leagues over there and I'd find myself like, just out because I wasn't adjusting my draft board. And, you know, they say, know the game, right? I didn't, I didn't know the game. Like you're, you're dead money against, you know, the, the roads and the guys that are playing all those fan tracks leagues, dead money if you don't know what you're doing. So um, cut line, it's not exactly like five by five. It has fluctuated as stolen bases have becoming more, become more rare and saves have become more rare, but they have adjusted. I think they've adjusted at least once to try to get back there. The correlation is tight enough that I don't change my draft board. I build one draft board. Um, I do draft differently because, you know, stolen bases tend to be after the first like six rounds, the guys that are getting the stolen bases tend to not be as good a hitters, <laughs> more likely to lose their job. You know, yeah. uh, Garrett Hansen has second base and outfield position, but like he's never been a bulk player. And, um, you, you know, you just don't want a guy to be getting like 300 at bats. Yeah. So, you know, the scoring system is, is points based. It's, um, you know, I actually had it, had it written down so I could, you know, spit it out, but, uh, and at bats minus one and uh, a hits four. So you go one for four and, and you, you've got nothing, I guess. Right. You break even. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but you know, runs two, home runs six, RBIs two, stolen base five. So stolen, uh, a solo home runs like 13 points. And then on the pitching side, you get, uh, a point for each out. So three points for an innings pitched and then minus one for a hit allowed minus or a walk allowed minus two for an earned run one for a K six for a win eight for a save. So, you know, steals and saves are still valuable. And if a guy has one of those three save weeks, I mean, that that's big. Huge. Like Liam Hendricks had a monster season last year. Rossi Iglesias had a monster season last year. So um, 
it's not that you want to avoid those guys, but we all know it's something like 50% of closers lose their job every year. Yeah. Uh, so that it, you know, you don't really want to pay up for them in the same way that you're doing in Roto Leagues. And the way the best ball works is um, the NFBC system just at the end of the week. It's a full week, so it's not like split into Monday to Thursday and then Friday to Sunday. But in that full week, they will just set your optimal lineup. Okay. Um, and that's that's just straight up. It's the same uh, 23 starting positions that all the NFBC leagues have. So nine pitchers and um, – I don't know. My brain doesn't work right now. 14 hitters. And uh, and, and they'll just put them all in there. And then Shoei Otani is, is DH and pitcher eligible. So they will flip him back and forth depending on what he is. So you don't have to even decide. You know, they do it for you. don't have to decide, right? So he's a totally different player in cut line. Yeah, big time. You can make an argument for him number one overall. I was about to say, line. that changes everything. Everything versus like at the sixth or seventh pick in an OC or a main – I'll struggle with that decision because I mean you're just kicking yourself, right? You yeah. put him in uh, at DH that week and he throws you know seven innings and has 12 Ks or something like that, but only I don't know hits 250 with one home run. You're like, man, I really missed out on these pitching stats. Like, yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's big. That's big, huh? So you mentioned um, the Steels guys early, so you're kind of pushing them up. Who else do you push up in in drafts compared to like a regular like OC yeah. main event type deal? So, you know, you, you, pick, you push up multi-position eligibility because of that system kind of putting them wherever they need to be, and that lets your lineup sort of have more options to fit that puzzle piece together. But the secret's out. You know, the multi-position guys are going higher, say, 20, 30 picks higher than they're going in the DCs. So you're paying up for it. So it's not as much. I think a few years ago, there's a little bit more under the radar, and you could kind of target enough of those guys to give your all your hitters kind of ultimate flexibility to not leave like a big week on the bench because you know it's the last thing you want to do is see some 30 point thing on the bench because your middle infield's already filled and you got nelson cruz at util or something like that um so that kind of secrets out i i tend to uh you know i i think home runs kind of come in bunches so you know, like the power hitters right you know the aaron judges the the stands the the guys who can hit I don't know, five, six home runs in a week, it seems like. Um, but, you know, as far as value, it, it's mostly the same guys that you're valuing in Roto that you're valuing here. Um, and, and while I would say, like, I've never been a big, like, Starling Marte or Whit Merrifield fan in cut line, um, Whit Merrifield just always seems to have second base and outfield eligibility. So that makes him pretty valuable because, you know, flips between a lot of different positions. Yeah, because he hasn't hit a ton of homers, but he gets the you know twenty five, thirty bags, and he, he can play both spots for you, like you said. So that, yeah. to, especially when he's stolen bases as much as they they're are. valuable, you know, yeah, very valuable. Um, for the this. stolen bases they they still add up too. So, and this is one of those like, would a guy like Mondesi be more intriguing in this format, knowing that if he has like a banged up week, someone else fills in for him or something? Yeah, so Mondesi is interesting. Um, I probably had too much Mondesi. Uh, two years ago um, because he was, you know, falling so far past where he would normally fall. Cause it's not like stolen bases aren't going to win you the league, but man, when he gets hot, he goes nuts. So if you manage to have a team in that top 20 at the end in September, when he always seems to, you know, bring us all back in by stealing 13 bases and hitting six home runs, I mean, that's a monster month. Right. Yeah, but at the same time, I, 
you know, you get, you only get two fad periods in, in cut line and you've got to be hot and healthy at the end. So the guys that are just always seem to be hurt. I mean, you, you need bulk, right? You, you need guys to be playing. You want guys playing every day and it's okay to have like a Lamont Wade that is kind of getting platooned because especially him, because he's first base and outfield eligible, but you don't want too many guys in platoons or, or guys that are just seem to be hurt all the time. No, that makes sense. And, and the Wade ones, the eligibility he gets. And, you know, if it's one of those, if it's a week with a lot of right-handed pitching, he's going to play a lot. So he's going to be put into your roster. And if it's a week that faced yeah. too many lefties, you won't have to worry about him. So it's fine. Yeah. And you're drafting him late, right? Very late. The idea of Montessi, his, his ADP in the last month of cut lines is 72. Okay. I would imagine it's probably in the 50s for DCs. Yeah. yeah I'm retired from DCs, but something yeah. like that. So yeah. you can see that he's, he, you're getting a discount on him because he's just hurt a lot. Makes a lot of sense. And it's that, that's kind of one of the mindset changes, I guess, you have to kind of make is you need that re- more. I guess nothing's ever reliable, but you want more reliability, is what it comes yeah, down to. You want reliability. You like, yeah. you like streaky because they, like you said, like yeah. a streaky pitchers, you know, like the, you know, those high K kind of high variability pitchers. They get bombed. They're on your bench. Yep. You can't have too many of those guys, you know. Yeah, we can take a couple of gambles and stuff. So yeah. um, I'll ask you that in a minute. But let's go back to uh, it's ten teams. Um, how many? Uh, how many rounds? How many players? What's your roster kind of look like? Yeah, so it's it's forty two rounds, um, and I tend to you know I've got my like normal grid up that I always have. Like I tend to go uh, eighteen pitchers, um, twenty four hitters okay um so there's there's some teams like some guys that are play a lot of cut lines that like more pitchers than that um but this is i i fluctuate a little bit and go on you know one or two more pitchers but i always seem to end up thin on the hitting side so i like to try to get four guys eligible at each of those infield positions and catcher and um even though i've only got eight outfield slots on my light grid that i'm trying to fill out nine or ten guys eligible on the outfield just with guys like Wade or Kettle Marte or, you know, any of the guys that have outfield eligibility along with something else. Okay. No, that makes sense. Cause like, that's one thing I'd like to pick the brain of for the DC is like how many X like guys want 10 outfielders or they want this, that or the other. Cause yeah. there is a method of the madness. Like you said, the last thing you want to do is kind of thin yourself somewhere and you all of a sudden you guys got hurt and you have nobody playing. You and can't take just, zeros. Yeah. I mean, and that just completely takes zeros you are dead. I mean, you could take a zero at a catcher spot or something, but you're taking zeros, you're dead. So, okay, interesting. So you got the 42 players, 420 players get drafted. It's obviously not like the other bulk leagues that we're playing and that really, really load up on guys. I guess a main event would be 450. Yeah, more. yeah a few, few more, you know, a season yeah. less. So About 30 more. So, yeah, so yeah. Eh, not bad. Decent-sized player pool. Now, you mentioned um, there's it, – it's 175 bucks to enter, but you get uh, two fab periods. Yeah. And this is where it gets fun because – you know, it's still a thousand dollars, like yeah. in our in our other leagues. But yeah. that's that's a weekly deal, so you kind of plan accordingly. Yeah. This is like go for broke, and this is where yeah. I just get lost as all get up. So, how do you approach Fab? Uh, a ton of time, you yeah. know, and a ton of back and forth. Um, and there's another guy, uh, Jason Coops, who's on yeah. uh, on Twitter and plays a ton of cut line leagues, and we talk all the time about about cut line in general but like especially in a couple weeks leading up to those fab periods like who are you looking at who are you dropping who's available like and it, a lot of times it's you've got to cut that dead weight you kind of have to be ruthless um and and most of the time that's the right answer i probably 
in hindsight, shouldn't have dropped Fran Mill everywhere last year because he came back like two weeks later and he raked when he came back. But you just can't keep a bunch of red suitcases on your bench uh, because you you have to avoid those zeros. You got to give yourself more options, and there's there are always people available. But those two fat periods you're talking about, one of them super early. So it's uh, this year. It's Tuesday, April twelfth. One good thing they run them on Tuesday nights instead of Sunday nights. So you get a couple extra days. You also get a free look, which a lot of people don't think about. Those Monday and Tuesday games do count. How much you should weigh that, you don't know, but um, they will sort of get shoved into your lineup if they hit three home runs in those two days or something. Interesting. Like but um, the first one super early, so I tend to to spend big in that first period. But I'm also doing, say, you know, 24 cut line teams that that range from late November or December to all the way up into March. And so you tend to have more guys to replace in those early teams that you've drafted. And sometimes I'm only replacing two or three guys in a team that I've drafted in March, like a late pitcher injury or this guy um, I thought was going to be the closer. I took a late stab at him. He's not uh, relief pitchers that are not closing valuable in main events as fill-ins kind of worthless in cut lines. Yeah, it makes You're sense, not getting saves or wins. I mean, Colin McHugh probably put up good points last year, but you wouldn't, nobody had him on a team, yeah. you know? Um, so on teams that need it, that have six, seven, eight spots that I'm filling in, I'm spinning big in that first period. And there's a couple reasons those guys are going to help you all year. You know, you're going to get like your Tyler O'Neill's, your Kilbadoos, or, you know, those guys early, your Dallas Garcia's. I think they will kind of win. Garcia and O'Neill were like the two big names early on. Um, they're going to help you all year. And by the time you get to that second one, which this year is on June 7th, half the league is dead because that first cut happens, say, a month after that. Okay. Half the league knows they've really got no shot or or maybe they're not paying attention, which, hey, join my league. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you want to quit season, great. Um, but you, you can get a lot of value in that second period for cheap. Now, there are guys like this past year, like, if you wanted Luis Garcia, like you needed three hundred and fifty dollars. In my later ones, I had three hundred fifty dollars. In my early ones, I might only had two hundred. Um, like I said, you get that same thousand dollars, so you really want to spend a lot of time picking out who you're going to drop, who you're bidding on. You've got like these huge thing. I mean, just There's a lot of options. You can't miss, right? Especially yeah. in that second one, spend every dollar. Yeah, have exactly. Twenty contingent bids. You can't take it with you. But you also can't mess up. You try to spend a thousand one dollars, it's kicking out that last bid. Yeah. So you know, I'm kind. Of, I've got my Excel spreadsheet up. I've, I've stacked. That's all the my hardest part, man. Is, yeah. And I have messed up with 24 leagues. I mean, I've messed up and left myself yeah. a dollar, not gotten my last guy. I mean, I try not to, obviously, and I double and triple and quadruple check it. But especially when you're making those late changes. Oh yeah. You know, so by by Sunday, I kind of want to have everything set up. Somebody shoulder falls off on Monday, you're switching it around or like there's a new closer and I've got to put him into every single one on all the things. And the system's great, but it's, it's just time consuming. You've only in a couple of them, then it's a little easier. I think to handle, but you're still going through all that same kind of imagination. Moving around and everything. You know what you need to do, but it's very, it's very time consuming. It's both like a best ball and, and kind of low touch while still those bad periods are so important. 
that's what's wild about it because like you mentioned the, the best balls like i've done so in fan tracks and everything and different scoring but same idea it's like draft and i walk away like here we are is what it is yeah. but it this is kind of fun because you know you do have those best ball leagues where you know you have those spring training injuries or you have some early injuries and you're sitting there going well that was fun like because i can't do anything about it but now yeah. you have a couple fab options to go get your own needles everyone remembers at least garcia just going nuts last year and little things like that. And if anything, like you said, is somebody with a pulse that can get rid of the red suitcase, give yourself yeah. a chance to get, to get going. That makes it a lot more fun. And, um, yeah. but it, then it also has a twist of, you know, after X amount of time, only the top two advance and they start cutting people out. And yeah. so you still might be out of it uh, in the end type thing, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, when it comes to the fab again, there's probably no exact number here, but do you try to have like a certain amount you have left over for that second run? Um, no, I mean, I, I mean, yes and no. I, I don't want to have less than say, one hundred fifty to two hundred. Okay. Um, you know, you can get a lot of. You're going to get somebody for fifteen dollars. Like you can get like sort of lower bids. Um, I, there's no, there's no real floor, okay. but I do want to have one hundred fifty to two hundred, so I can. If there's one guy, you're not going to get that one guy, right? But if there's four good guys, I want to get one of them. Um, you mentioned, uh, the closing situation. And I know it's a question that a lot of people have yeah. because of how crazy it is right now, yeah. but in cut lines, like, yeah, saves are great. If you have like the Liam Hendricks of the world, but if you're going and grabbing these platoon situations, like you said, it could be a mess. So how do you approach it? Cause in theory, you don't have to draft any closers if you don't want to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and there are literally leagues where, or uh, leagues where I'll draft no closers. And then we were talking about that Vlad league and I drafted all the closers. They, I, I set like the, the max pick on five of the best 10 closers in that league. Um, I think people sort of went in there and they're like, oh, it's cut line. You know, we don't need closers. People, they're going too high. And, you know, I said, well, I mean, if they're going to drop forever, I'm going to take them eventually. See, that's uh, good, though, because if you get five of them, like if just two or three of them have a big week because they're on yeah. they're good closers for a reason, like that could add up yeah. quickly. Like the idea. Quickly. And, yeah, and there is a, you know, a school of thought and cut line that you kind of either want none or you do want three, four or five. Exactly. Yeah. Because they, they kind of, they'll get their two and three safe weeks, like in, in bunches and, you know, they're on your bench, say a third of the time when they're not really doing anything, but even one save at least gives them a nice little floor. Yeah. Right. It's like an 11 or 12 point week. Like that can be your seventh, eighth, ninth pitcher. Nice. Yeah. I know that. And I, I that makes so much sense. Get them in bulk because, uh, instead of having like just like two or three randos and they all like stink for a week, yeah. at least you, the, the odds of all five of them stinking, not very good. So yeah. <laughs> um, when, when you are drafting pitchers and you know, this kind of could be a DC strategy too, that works over for cut line. You want yeah. innings. So you want guys that are going to rack up innings, yeah. but like, do you, do you get too concerned with like that? Like in, in DC, it goes so deep. You're talking about like some garbage, you know, fifth starter on Kansas City. Uh, yeah. But you're obviously not doing that in, in a cut line. What's kind of your cutoff point for you of, okay, we've kind of hit the garbage point. I'm done with this situation. Yeah, I take um, – I end up with a lot of like late pitchers uh, because in my last four or five picks, probably most of them are going to be pitchers each time. Um, but you, you do kind of want those guys that will give you innings in case and they can be more volatile. But say like I'm looking back at this this last one. I think this was actually um, yeah, this was that that league uh, the 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 beat Vlad league. And my last uh, five pitchers are 
Patino, Alzale, Rich Hill, Miles Mikolas, and Jake McGee. And if Jake McGee's not closing, I'll drop him in that first April period. It's okay to have like you know a couple of those stabs at the end, and, and if they're not closing, you just drop them. You you need some spots anyway because there'll be some hot new guy you weren't thinking about that got drafted. Yeah, that, that that was gonna be one of my questions. Do you feel like with that early fab period and so much uncertainty right now, are you seeing yourself taking more chances than you usually do right now? Going, you know what? If it doesn't work, I'll just drop them on April twelfth. But you know, with so much uncertainty, yeah. I could strike gold right now. Why people are kind of hesitant? Yeah, so I'm, I'm not taking a ton of them, but yeah, like I've, I've got some Finnegans and some Tanner Rainies, and I've got some Dylan Floros, and I've got some Jake McGee's, and you know, a couple of each of those guys. Okay. They're easy to drop if they're not closing, but if they are closing, they're, they're valuable, and I'll, you know, I'll keep them. Um, yeah, and then guys like that. There's another question with kind of the guy who's maybe the sixth starter right now mm-hmm. on a team that's not going to run six. Um, so I guess it's not a good example, but I'm thinking about like Reed Detmers. Yeah. So like he's he's got like a lot of kind of prospect type, and um, you know James Anderson was talking him up the other day. I think on like the launch angle pod, and so you know, but if he doesn't open the year in the majors, what do you do in that first bad period? Yeah. And sometimes you hold him, and I held Mackenzie Gore three or four years ago for the whole year, and I got nothing. Nothing. Yeah. So. I, I've done less of that as the years have gone on. I mean, if a guy's not going to be playing in, in April, it's just hard to have him on your team. He's mm-hmm. naturally zeros on your bench. On the plus side, you're at your most healthy in April. So you yeah. don't need that 41st or 42nd guy. But um, you, you get to that second bad period of guys not playing, you've got to cut weight. You can't keep it. So on the flip side of that, are you okay with drafting Bobby Witt right now or no? I haven't taken him, but I, I'm okay around like 90 or 100 taking yeah. him. I think, um, but I, but that said, I haven't done it yet. Um, he does, you know, have upside. But I've if I get one of those first shortstops, I'm not going to back them up with with Bobby Witt. Um, if I don't, he falls a little bit. Then yeah, you know, I, I he's not off my draft board, um, but I'm also not I'm not taking him at ADP. He's got to fall a couple rounds past the. Um, I think it's in the 80s somewhere. Um, I'm not taking him there. I don't think he's uh, a terrible pick, but, you know. It's tough, but it's, it's like you said, he can't have the dead weight, and there's yeah. a good chance. He should start early, but it's the Royals, and, you know, doesn't look like the whole, you know, youngster thing is going to get fixed in the CBA. So, and, and people held with all, all year last year. Exactly. Yeah. Him and Kalenic. And Clinic was up and down all the time, and yeah. he was basically dead weight. Like, there was a lot of that going mm-hmm. on. So, <laughs> prospects are tricky. Like, I'm not a – gigantic draft prospect guy and redraft league so i can only imagine in this type of format yeah. um like i'm just using my fan tracks uh, experience and obviously yeah. totally correct me if i'm wrong on the cut line but you mentioned like say you take a, a bachette early so you got a pretty solid shortstop that in your head he's probably going to be your guy 90 percent of the time when something goes horribly wrong like he's going to yeah. be in there every week obviously you have a middle infield spot too but yeah. um how quickly are you looking to back up your shortstop compared to like going and getting to third baseman or like positional situations? How do you kind of focus your draft situation different in a cut line compared to like a regular draft? Yeah. So I'd say in a cut line, I I try like if, if I've got, if, if I take Jose Ramirez, I am not going to take Devers even if he makes it back to say 14 a couple spots after which i would love to get him there 
but I'd love to pair him with Juan Soto or somebody else from the first round. Um, if there are a couple rounds apart, so say say I've got um, I'm trying to think of a different example, but say I have a Jose Ramirez, I'll I'll I won't shy away from like a, a Bregman or something okay. in the 80s or 90s that that sort of bigger split. Um, I'm usually I'm not going to take three good ones. I know you can play them. So if I get Freddie Freeman and then say Jose Abreu falls to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a second first baseman. I haven't done this in a league, but like, I'm not then going to take Jared Walsh. I mean, you can't, I, and I've, you do see it in draft. You'll see somebody that's got, you know, three of those really good shortstops because they are really good, but man, that guy is, you, you've, you've given your roster so much less ways to make that ideal lineup by having three top hundred players at one position that don't have multi-position eligibility. If you have Tatis, yeah, go ahead. Sure take, you know, take, yeah. take story, take Lindor, like, but I'm not going to take Bichette and I'm probably not going to take Bichette and story. I mean, I might, but yeah. I'm not going to do it more than once. Okay. <laughs> it just, it does handcuff you a little bit. Um, you, you try to back up your, your best guy with sort of your second guy being like down here. And then if, you, if you've got one of these guys, that's kind of in the fourth or fifth round, maybe you can take a seventh or eighth, ninth round and back him up a little bit sooner. I, you just want to have your roster have like sort of the best way to, to make that ideal. And, and I mean, that's not, it's not like a, a you know, it's not a, not a huge problem to take, to take those two guys, but it does handcuff you later. And that's why I wanted to ask, because like you've, you've seen people talk about it and like, it feels like in the fan tracks, I think the multi-position eligibility is not there. It's a weirder situation yeah. on building your roster. Yeah. Um, but even like in roto formats, like you'll see people go, I want to grab two of these guys, play one at middle infield, one at shortstop. Yeah. There's a conversation, okay, where you drafted the second one, you could have used a stud third baseman, or yeah. you could like so then it starts hamstringing you that way, like you're saying. And at the yeah. same time, sure, you can play all three of these guys. So, like the reason why I ask is like, okay, if I have such a stud like Bichette and I go and take like a story. And something happens to Bichette, it's nice to slide story in, but then at the yeah. same time, you're still hamstring. So that, that's just an interesting way of thinking is why I want to ask yeah. you for someone to to build the point system over the roto system. Yeah. And um, and in reality, like in, in a fab process, in, in cut line, obviously anything can happen, but do you see it being more like outfielder pitchers that are available, or do you kind of see a whole gamut of things? Yeah, it, it's kind of, it's a whole gamut, I think. I mean, there's – and I try because I've, you've sort of got your – if you're a 24-18 guy like me or you're a 22-20 you know, 20 guy, you know, you, you sort of have that sort of – you want to drop an injured second baseman and pick up a second baseman. You want to drop an injured outfielder and pick up an outfielder. But if you have guys that have picked up extra eligibility or your, your lineup's sort of shifted a little bit, you, you want to make sure you're sort of keeping that – three or four at each position, but it's almost always pitcher for pitcher, right? Unless you end up in a weird yeah. But you you did have, I mean, you had Jazz Chisholm. I, I don't know that he was drafted everywhere. Jonathan India was definitely a big pickup last year. You are going to get some, you know, infield positions. Okay. Yeah, uh, just... Not all outfielders, uh, but obviously a ton of, I mean, ton of pitching, right? Everybody's dropping, by, especially that second period, everybody's dropping a number of pitchers because Guys can lose their jobs, you know. Injuries, losing jobs, new guys, yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Um, 
back to the the hitters outfield you have like five you start in five outfielders potentially six with the utility situation yeah. you said you're going to roster eight give or take plus you know multi-position guys could lead to yeah. nine or ten um do you see yourself more aggressive on outfielders early in your draft or is it just kind of you know as the flow goes if it's a shortstop their base you don't as long as your grid gets made you're good or do you kind of focus yeah. on certain positions over others um i have tried to take one of these early uh, third baseman in color like You've got Ramirez, Riley, Devers, Machado. I mean, those guys are studs. There's a lot more question marks after them, uh, but I don't always get them. In my current one, I went Soto, uh, Luis Robert, and, and Jordan. So so, okay. I don't know that I would do that in an OC. Uh, I could not do that in a main. It would be You'd be crippled. You'd be crippled. <laughs> like your your roster would be oh, be such a pain to draft. I yeah. would hate that draft. I would hate that draft. Yeah. I'd like put that together in my head. Yeah, but but I have no problem doing that in cut line. I mean, you want you gotta have at least eight outfielders. I mean, eight yeah. is kind of bare minimum, right? You gotta fill five every week. So you really want nine or ten guys that are eligible there, but you gotta make the pieces work with that multi-position eligibility. But I don't mind taking taking three and um I would even I'd take a fourth in the next few rounds if if the value were there. If Tyler O'Neill slipped or Cedric Mullen slips, like I'm gonna take him. I think with the multi-position eligibility options, because there's so many outfield, like middle infield guys, some way yeah. to middle and in, or out corner infield, outfield. Um, but also the fact it's like just wrapping your head around 10 teams. Like yeah. most people don't do 10 teams anymore. No. Um, like I recommend people go look at boards on the NFBC. They usually always put like top six rounds of drafts and yeah. stuff. Go, I just, or just go to the ADP page. I have it up and I've been scrolling it and yeah. it's a lot more hitters and pitchers in the ADP. I'll tell you that right at the top. Yeah. Um, and your team can be loaded. You know? That's what I'm saying. Like it's like I asked the question, like, okay, should you focus on this or that? But you you might not have to like totally wrap yourself up like you're saying because you can yeah. still get a stud in like round three or four where you never yeah. would in another draft. So yeah, like, you got to right. kind of you can't just walk into this draft room. <laughs> you yeah. look <laughs> it's different. Yeah, it's different. And like I said in those roto leagues, like I try to stay balanced. So. If there's, um, and I've heard, you know, other people talk about this lately, and I've really been drafting like this for years, but you try to stay balanced so you can take advantage of the values when they're there, right? And like, I, I you know, I'm, I'm kind of old school. I do it on my notepad as I'm doing it. I've got my draft board, but I'm literally like, okay, I'm high in steals. I need power. Yeah, I'm high in, I'm high in Ks and wins. Like, or I've got really, I've got a really low whip. Like, and I can afford to take like a, a Robbie Ray guy, right? Like a, a guy that could pull up my oh, Luis Castillo, right? Like, I mean, he's always had bad whip numbers. Like, I can afford this kind of guy. Like, I'm kind of keeping that and trying to stay balanced. I'm not worried about staying balanced and cut line, right? Bingo. That's what I was going to ask you. Like, are you willing to scalable kind of stuff? Okay, that's what I was going to ask you because it makes total sense in a roto format. I I can't you know go take four bad whip guys. I'll just it's gone. Like I'm done. Yeah. But in 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 this uh, best ball format, if these whip guys still strike out ten guys a game, yeah, and they maybe pick up a win every like three starts or something, yeah, we're doing good, right? Yeah, I mean you in overalls and mains and OCs like protect your average, protect your ratios. I, mean, I don't care about that here. <laughs> so it's a, just a different mindset and why. Kind of why you need to get these drafts over with before you start those roto drafts. Yeah, like now I'm, I'm like real. I'm getting real itchy to maybe jump in a cut line pretty soon now because like yeah. I like this idea of you yeah. know go get some fun teams built. It's fun. Yeah. Cut yeah. line drafts are fun, and you can do a bunch of them and not. Yeah, there's two fat periods, but you know you just kind of watch them, watch them go. You mentioned you know, at you bats, to... good at bats do kind of dry up. Yeah, so that's why I end up with like a lot of pitchers late because. 
you wait to take like um you know your last your fourth second baseman or your your fourth, third or fourth first baseman i mean there's a couple first basemen that are interesting late but like there are no late interesting middle infielders or third basemen i mean evan longoria is going pretty late like that's an at bat but yeah he's just he's not getting 600 at bats this year right no. No, not at all. So, not at all. It, it's tough. It dries up. Like you're going to end up with a like I took Paul J. Young in the last round, this past one um, that just finished, and it might be an easy drop. Yeah, but it's you can always you can always find pictures that you're going to get you five six innings to start, sneak in yeah. some stuff. And those you guys find are just available late, right? Like yeah. Addison Bumgarner is going super late. Like I said, Miles yeah. Nicholas, Dakota Hudson, like. There's these guys that are out there that are in the rotation. Merrill Kelly, like these are these guys are available in those last few rounds, whereas the hitters in the last few rounds are garbage. <laughs> and honestly, and honestly, it's like with the lack of information we have, sure, there's gonna be some players that we didn't think we're gonna be starting in, in the lineup that they're gonna be starting all of a sudden. Like DeYoung, there's the rumor he might start, he might not start, but if he does, you're yeah. getting a steal because you know what he can yeah. do. And if you're not worried about batting average, then you're golden. Yeah. Like he's perfect for this format. But on the flip side, the pitchers, like some of these guys that are question marks, the Merrill Kellys, the bum grinders, all these guys where they're worried about this, that, and the other. What if they picked up a new pitch this offseason? What if they yeah. had a velocity we don't know about yet? So, like, these yeah. are like the little things. I think you're going to get more kind of that kind of stuff with pitchers than you are with hitters for the most part yeah. in this world of unknown. Yep. And so you take those late stabs, and then, you know, they're easy to drop, right? Yeah. No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. I, I like that quite a bit. Um Let's see. I'll make sure I cover these. so much cut line stuff here. Um, yeah. Um, so you got your, 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 you got your grid. Oh, that's what I was going to ask you. So a lot of people use projections. There's all kinds of projection sort sites. Uh, some guys will, um, you know, put their league format. You can put like the scoring system into the fan yeah. calculator or whatever. There's Broto uh, labs, baseball HQ, whatever. Yeah. What do you prefer? You don't have to give all your sauce, but what do you prefer? Yeah. Um, so I've, I've been a, a long time Rasball reader. Uh, I think that's like when I was, I mean, they've been around a lot, long time and, uh, and Gray, Gray is absolutely hilarious. Like writes these little blurbs every day. And I've been reading those for, I, I don't actually know how many years, like probably right around when they started, he, I think he started it like during a writer's strike in Hollywood or something like that. Um, so, you know, I use, I use Gray, Gray's rankings and, and Gray and Rudy are, the Rasball, you know, co-founders, the two guys, but they're, they're different. They draft very differently. They have different styles. And so you've got, you know, Gray's tiers that are a great kind of way to start for me at least. And then I've got Rudy's projections. So what I, what my draft board ends up looking like is, you know, I've got each player like first base, second base, shortstop, third base. And then to the left, I've got a, a few columns of like rankings. And so I usually on the hitting side, lately it's been Gray, Rudy, and then Vlad Sedler, and then ADP for the format that I'm drafting in. That's usually, like, that lately has been my thing. And then I kind of color code and put some, you know, notes from different podcasts in there, and I move guys up and down. So, but I always have those numbers in there so I can kind of see where people think about it. And then for pitching, I do it a little bit differently. I, I still have Gray, Rudy, and Vlad, but I'll, I'll put, like, you know, like the, the pitcher list one. I like, uh, you know, Saris because his changes a lot. It's like the – A lot. Um, the – what is it? Uh, stuff and uh, stuff. Yes, stuff and yeah. command deck. It's like you know. Yeah. And it, so his are different. So I like to have that in there, and then like Paul Spores or something like that. I'll have. I've got more columns to the left of my pitchers, um, and then you know closers. Who knows? Right? <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I really, like the cut line. You almost don't even. Things, but yeah, 
you kind of I kind of tear my closers and then I, and I'm just going. But that that's really kind of what my draft board likes. And I, and I put like tiers in there and I've got highlighted for these are tiers I like, you know, orange. These are tiers I don't like. Bright orange. These guys are hurt. Stay away from them. You know. So I, I like that though because it's kind of I guess more. I don't you know do all all of that that you do, but like certain people like Toby, it and and do so and all of them. It's straight up computer numbers. Yeah. Boom. This is what I do. Um, I'm not that guy. No, and like I, we have a lot of like we're almost the same age. You have a, I have a note. I write everything down that I do. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I I might have an Excel sheet with my what ranking stuff on it. It's very similar stuff. Yeah. Um, but that's why I wanted to ask you because there's so many different ways to draft and so many different ways to do it. Like uh, Jenny's got a question we'll talk about in a bit, but she wrote a great article in the FTN guide about the different yeah, uh, the flow charts. It was so genius. Like yeah. it's so simple, but not like yeah. it makes so much sense the way she does it. And she spends so much time doing that, but that's I, kind I of, thought, her background. I, thought that, I thought that article from Jenny was awesome. It was outstanding because that's what I, it goes back to my statement earlier about like learn from other people yeah. that it just opened my mind up to so many scenarios like that. I didn't even think about that when you sit back, you're like, okay, that makes way too much sense. Why yeah. did I not think about this before? But the way she put it together and how she's been doing it forever is what reason she's successful. And yeah. it's, uh, it's funny, like uh, Ryan Bloomfield, he talks about his, uh, he builds his draft backwards and he likes, yeah. it's, it's, a good, it's a good thing. I, I do that, but, especially main event wise. I'm doing that. I do it a little bit in OCs, but main event, it's a, you've got to have those last six or seven rounds sort of planned out. Who you're going to go at, what are your targets there? And you've got to build it backwards like that. I don't know how you can be successful not thinking about this late round. 100%. 100%. Yeah, you, have, you have to have that safety valve. Like, okay, 15 yeah. teams wild. Things are going to go wrong. You have to yeah. be able to adjust. Now when you're in round like 26 and you know your team's short, where are you going? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I start out my, my notebook, you know, I, once my KDS runs, I've got every round written down and I've got two, three, four, five targets for almost every like set. If, if you're towards the end, yeah. sort of a two set of rounds, but if you're in the middle kind of each round, I mean, I've, I've written out those targets before we started and they're in my draft board, but um, one thing, you know, Rudy's been on me lately about using like his, his war room or, you know, I know a lot of people use Roto Lab. I, yeah. I'm almost definitely going to do it this year for the first time because I have that live auction in Vegas. Yeah, I think I'd be clutch. I, I think you just got to have it for an auction. I mean, it's one thing for my home league to go in there like I'm one of the two or three most prepared person going in my home league draft because I've been doing all of these NFBC BC drafts. A lot of those guys play in either just that league or a couple yeah. leagues. Um, so I can kind of wing the auction a little bit, but I can't wing that auction. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, this will be the first year I, I'm, I've already purchased Roto Lab, so I'll be doing that yeah. just because like, yeah. I'll, you can input all your own stuff, you can tweak it however you want. So it's yeah. still your deal. Yeah, so, my draft board, I can literally just put in a Roto Lab. Exactly. Like, but it's, but at least it's there to kind of, like, yeah, to give you like a safety check. Like, hey, yeah. don't what everybody else has left, like yeah. how many guys are out there looking for saves and steals. I mean, I, I, I'm going to need that. Well, yeah, because I, I used to not be a guy like that either. But then last year, I uh, I purchased Derek Rhodes' best ball thing for yeah. fan tracks. It was like five yeah. bucks or something, yeah. and it opened my eyes to so many things. Drafting that I it just so yeah. I'm not against all that stuff. I'm just usually too stupid to figure it out. That's I know, I know. and I've, I've been using this draft. You know, I'm a creature of habit. Uh, my yeah. draft board has looked mostly the same for a long time. It's working for you. <laughs> it works, you know. <laughs> so, and I know how to use. It. I know what I'm doing, and I can just you know. I've got the my formula set up so my ADP can like flip between cut line and OC and whatever. I mean, but yeah, 
It's um, one, one thing you mentioned, I should I meant to ask you earlier in the show because um, for those that do 12 teams, 15 teams, uh, DCs, OCs, whatever, you have KDS and you pick yeah. where you want to go. You mentioned that uh, the cut line, the 10 team does not do KDS, which yeah. I did not know that. Um, so obviously you're, at, you're literally at the mercy of how it falls. Yeah. Do you have a preference on where you're going? Because it's, it's 10 leagues, so 10 teams. So it doesn't feel like it's as necessary to have a certain yeah. spot, but it yeah. still could be. So uh, how do you feel uh, one through 10 in that situation? I, I like to be in the middle in cut lines. Um, just because when I'm at the end, I feel like I, I kind of miss out on, I wouldn't call them necessarily, they're not runs in the same way that they are in Roto Leagues, where it's like a run of closers or a run of all the speed guys that everybody likes in that range. But there are a couple spots in the draft where there are kind of mini runs. Like those those shortstops, you know, Story, Bogarts, Lindor, Tim Anderson, um, and, and maybe even Wander, they're all going in like a 15 pick range and you can miss out on all of them or around that hundred, you know, spot, hundred, 110. There's a bunch of the multi-position eligibility guys. I, you know, that I like to get some of like Cronenworth, Ty France, um, DJ LeMayu, like you can kind of miss out on those guys. And so I, I really like to be able to sort of take a pick each 10 picks or so. Um, but I also want to, get enough spots in each one because a lot of times in those first four or five rounds, that's how you really differentiate your team. I was like the diversification. Other. You have to draft. I don't want to have the spots. same team over and over and over again. You know, yeah. um, I don't want to have like, even though I love Jose Ramirez this year because yeah. he's both awesome, you know, doesn't seem to be an injury risk at all. And third base is kind of shitty. <laughs> Excuse me. Language no, now. you're fine. And uh, uh, that, but I don't want to. If I'm in five and six, I can't take a ton of Jose Ramirez. I mean, it's, yeah. it's dangerous. Dangerous to be, uh, you know, over over in on one guy that's early. And that's the thing is, it's like I've heard other people say it. It's like uh, if I do two drafts and I have like the top pick, okay, I'm going to take uh, Trey Turner with one and Jose with the second, or I'll yeah. take Trey Turner with one, Garrett Cole with the second, whatever, just yeah. so I'm not putting all my eggs in one basket because God forbid something happens and yeah. the whole thing's up in smoke. Yeah, yeah um, like the two most important drafts right at the end of March. Like, yeah. you can't have the same first round draft. Taken and it makes sense. It's tough to do because, like, I want Trey yeah, Turner or Jose Ramirez pretty much every time, but it makes uh, sense. Yeah. It makes total okay. sense. And it's funny because most of my drafts, I've done 12, 10 so far. I've yeah. been in the back like four or five and every one except like two. So I looked at my yeah. player shares the other day. <laughs> A lot like, of the outfielders. It, it stinks because yeah. there's so many of the same players, and I'm just like, yeah, ah. but, yeah the back, uh, that, that back of the cut line are like a bunch of those outfielders, like Harper and Acuna and Trout and Betts and Tucker. And like, if you end up in those eight, nine, ten spots, like you could end up with a lot of teams that look a lot alike. Um, you, you, we, we know third base is rough, uh, there's probably a few others. Are there any positions that you're more aggressive on than others? I know we kind of mentioned outfield. You try to be just because there's five, but just yeah. in general, because I guess scarcity per se, is there yeah. like positions you're more interested in? Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't really practice positions scarcity per se, but I, I do, I do in cut line, at least want to get one of those first four third baseman if I can. Um, I really want to get one of those top tier, top two tiers, whatever you want to call it, shortstops. Like by the time you hit Lindor, I want to have one of those guys. And then I want a couple of those real stud outfielders. Okay. You know, it'll be a little bit different in Roto, I think, because 
Um, I think I'm really going to want one of those guys with a bunch of stolen bases in the first round. Um, your, your Trey Turner, your Tatis, your Jose Ramirez, you know, I, it, it's kind of hard to lead that first round, I think, even in a 12-team league uh, without a lot of stolen bases. So, like, flat, it makes flat a tough pick, right? Um, and I want the option that if Freddie Freeman slips in the second round, I want to be able to take him because I like Freddie Freeman in those late teens um, in, in cut line, definitely. But I think even in even in OCs or, you know, I'd, I'd be all about taking like a Freddie Freeman, but you've got to have 25, 30 stall bases in the first round to take him. Yeah, makes a little difference. That's why he's, he's definitely hard to take in those formats, but the yeah, cut line point system makes it a lot yeah. easier. Um, I, some of the big dog catchers are going earlier yeah. in cut lines. Look at the ADP right now. Yeah. Real, so real early. <laughs> like I saw Salvi's ADP is 18, JT's yeah. is 30. Like that's, for those keeping track at home, early. Um, yeah. How do you approach the catchers? Because you already mentioned if you had to take a zero anywhere, you want it to be catcher, even though you don't yeah. want a zero. But you know, and I get it. Like those guys are your at bat guys at catcher. Like, yeah. That's why they, that's why they even go early in redraft yeah. systems. Exactly. But how are you about the catchers? Um, so I do like to get one of those top. Uh, say, is it six or seven before Grandal, Wilson Contreras? I want to have one of those guys just as my kind of anchor, and then I like to get. Um, you know, one to two more by the time you hit, say, Elias Diaz, Alejandro Kirk area, which is like early 200s in cut line. Um, I think there's something to be said for taking two of those top guys, honestly, because catchers so bad after like, say, 15 of them. Um, they're just, they're putting up nothing. And if you look last year, uh, Sal Perez was all over the top 20 teams. Um, he put 4.8 points up a game and non-small sample size division. Uh, Grandal was next at four flat. So he's almost 25% better than Grandal and Grandal only had whatever, 250 probably at bats. So, I mean, it, he was so valuable last year. So there's definitely an argument to be had for like taking him early. And I do have, uh, I have taken Sal Perez really early, um, I have no Will Smith yet, but I want him. <laughs> but I mean, he's going 34th in the last month. JT Real Madrid is going 30th. So I mean, those are three guys going to the first 35 picks. Um, it's hard to take two of them, um, but I would love to have. I'd love to come out of the draft soon with uh, Will Smith and Grandal. You know, just to have one of those That'd teams. It's not two of them. You know, uh, or, or Sal and Will Contreras or something like that. I wonder what I wonder what pushed Grandal up so much. At first, I was thinking, oh, maybe it's because OBP. But uh, I know the second half he started crushing it. But yeah, he you know. was crushing it, man. In that lineup, yeah. that's arguably the best lineup in baseball. All right, that makes and he gets on base a lot. So even though walks don't help in cut line, scoring runs does. Scoring runs, yeah, definitely. Do you see yourself like I know Casey Chaw does it in some? Do you see yourself in cut lines potentially stacking teams more than others? Uh, I I don't really do it. Um, as a, as a general rule, I'm not looking for it, but I've heard Casey Cha talk about it. I've heard Vlad talk about it, like stacking. Um, there's definitely offenses that I want pieces of, and, and there were like Blue Jays all over all the top everything yeah. last year, right? So I definitely have a lot of like White Sox and, and Blue Jays kind of higher up on my board, so you'll see sort of natural stacks, mm -hmm. but it's not something that's even really in the back of my mind. 
Okay. Yeah, it's just it's one of those kind of DFS philosophies, but it's tough yeah. to do in a, it's tough to do in a draft for sure, to like yeah. to make all that that pan out. But yeah. I do like it the more we talked about it and I look at it the scoring because for the fan tracks people out there where it's almost more OBP centric. Yeah. Um like you said, they tried to make it for a five by five format. So it, it does actually equate pretty darn good. Yeah. It's ju- it's just the size of the teams and the the like I guess the weights for wins, saves, steals, and homers kind of dictates a few things to make it a little different, but overall it still, it still helps quite a bit. Um, With the ever changing wins landscape, does that change your pitching approach at all? It is good to have uh, pitchers on good teams. I mean, that sounds easy to say, right. But um, if you've got one of those really good, you know, ratio guys um, like an Alcantara, who's, but is, seems like somewhat of a lock for single digit wins. I mean, that's, that's tough. That hurts. Those wins are where the eight points. I mean, it's wins are big. So, you know, your fourth or fifth starter, like a, like a Tanner Houck or something like that. I mean, he could be really good on a good Red Sox team or, um, you know, a lot of people are a little maybe down on Gossman this year, but like Blue Jays are going to win a lot of games. Yep. Yeah. I mean, he goes, he goes six innings and I don't care if he gives up three or four runs. I mean, he's going to get, what do you think his floor is this year if he stays healthy? Fourteen uh, wins. I mean, yeah, he's gonna get you probably, probably gonna get you like at least a K for nine. Yeah, so, yeah, fourteen like, wins. Like Sands ratio is kind of suck, but like that's that's super valuable. I mean, it's extra points yeah. they add up. But it's not like I'm, you know, shying away from the bad teams. But I'm definitely thinking about it as I'm in. Um, I, I love, you know, I, I love Lance Lynn. Like a, you know, Dylan Cease is getting pushed up by everybody, but it pays to be on that you know, a White Sox pitcher. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I'm, I'm running out of ideas because there's so many good things here. Is there any other tips that you could give people in your years of cut line experience? All, you know, uh, almost set, this would be year six of cut line. Yeah. So Yeah, you're, um, you're seven. You're, you're seven. seven. Sorry, started, started <laughs> 2016. So yeah. um, any other tips you can give people? Because it's, there's a, I, I love this conversation. There's so many similarities, still so many little tweaks that make it different. So yeah. what do you got? Yeah, I think, you know, I guess first off, there, there's a lot of ways to do it. Like nobody is really, we did have a guy just win the number one overall that had done it a few years ago. You got your first multi-time, like first overall cut line guy, but there's not really like a, a, a secret method. It, it's really, you, you want to avoid avoid injuries, but you always want to avoid injuries, right? Yeah. Um, multi-position eligibility uh, really helps because of that you know, the, the way they put those puzzle pieces together, but you want, you want bulk and you want to be healthy. Um, you got to really treat those bad periods. Like they are the most important thing because you can't mess up those bad periods. You got to get a couple of those hot guys. You got to cut dead weight. I think maybe sort of the, the, the biggest edge I have left is like cutting dead weight. If that guy is not getting saved, cut him. If he's hurt, if he's going to be out three more weeks, Think about cutting him unless he's Mike Trout, um, and that didn't work to hold on to Mike Trout last year, of course. But um, if they're hurt, cut him. Like be ruthless. You know, even if he's a top hundred player, as long as he's not a top twenty player, I, I think you got to cut weight. You can always, if you cut him in that first period, you can always pick him back up in the second period. True. Um, you, True. you do sometimes regret it, but that if I had one thing that's the most important, I'd say cut weight. Um, I made a mistake last year. I stuck with uh, your boy, uh, Mauricio Dubon. I don't know if he's actually your boy, but he's on the Giants. He I, I, lo- I love him. Great eligibility. 
Yep. He had been good the year before. Yep. Um, and, and I kept him. I mean, and, man, he was zeros. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't blame you. I, I drafted him in so many leagues. I had cut him in a lot of places, but yeah. it, it, it hurt to cut. It was tough for me to cut him just because the eligibility was still on the roster. Yeah. He wasn't sent down. Once he was sent down, it was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was, and he was still on the roster. He just was yeah. not playing. Play like twice a week. They were doing just not yeah. playing. It was so frustrating. But, uh, Watch this year; he'll come and tear it up with very little multi-position eligibility, and no one wants to touch him. So that'll, yeah. that's how it always goes. Yeah, cut weight. Uh, lots of contingency plans on the pad. You know, don't yeah. have twenty. Don't be afraid. Be afraid to have twenty on there. Twenty-five. I mean, you, know, you can't have too many because you don't want you don't want it to run and you not get somebody. I almost need you to come on for Fab just to like not to give away your players, but yeah. it, that that's what even got me last year in Raz Slam. So I was playing yeah. that with with them and. Yeah, even the second period, I had so many contingencies. I thought I had it all covered, and I still left with like six dollars and yeah. stuff. It was just like, yeah. what in the world is going on here? It's it's insane because that was just one league. You're doing twenty something leagues, yeah. Like, um, yeah, like one player for those that don't know that well, one player with like twenty bids below it, and then you yeah. change them all around. Like the the one thing that bugs me sometimes is I want to move around. Like, so say you have like ten guys at a dollar each, it's yeah. almost the order you click them in. I want to be able to yeah. like just move that around. Yeah, that's what I want. That would be yeah. nice instead of having to de- delete, 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 and then reorder how you put them in. Yeah. I just want to click on my guys. You then can, move you know, you can like sort of um, press on them and slide them up. Yeah. It does work to do that. And if you yeah, slide them up, if you have a guy that's like two dollars here and a guy one dollar here, if you slide the one dollar guy above the two dollar guy, he'll become a two dollar guy. Okay, interesting. See, and, I'm learning and the same thing. If you slide them down, they'll drop in value. If you slide them, if you slide the two dollar guy below the one dollar guy, he'll become a one dollar guy. There we go. We're learning things here on Bench with Bubba. This is what I'm talking I about. Le- I learn stuff on the NFBC all the time, and I play. I play in you know 40 leagues a year on there, and I still learn new things all the time. Yeah, I had no idea about that because that's one of the more <laughs> even in regular fab leagues, I get so frustrated going. Okay, I want yeah. the third pitcher I have down here. I want him to be my, my first option. Yeah, you know, I don't want. Like... So you can do it. Just click and slide him. <laughs> oh man, see, I feel like an idiot. They here might have some arrows. I think they have arrows too. That would be so much nicer. Of them fab, but... uh, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, we got a couple questions here, and we kind of covered them, but we'll we'll rehash it real real yeah. quick here. Uh, Jenny Butler had a question. Uh, how does he like to allocate his money between the first and second fab periods? You're going to hit on that. I know yeah. a lot of people spend more during the first one, but I always have as much. Uh, I I've always saved as much money as I could for the second. You recommend kind of going the opposite, go crazy. Yeah, I, I, I do tend to spend up. I'm not afraid to spend up early um, because there's so many people, and you like half your league is not participating in the second one. But you, if you don't have six hundred dollars left, you're not going to get that number one guy. Then I think Framber Valdez was dropped a lot early because of his finger or something like that. And then Eloy. He went for five, six hundred bucks in every single league. I didn't get him in a, I got him in maybe either one or none of 20 some leagues last year because I do spend up in that first period. Even if I have only have one of those teams that only has to replace like two or three guys, I tend to spend a few hundred bucks. And there's some team that has nine hundred dollars left and it's gonna drop six fifty, seven hundred on that top guy. But you have to think about it differently than, like you said, the OCs and the mains and stuff because you're not rationing it out. It's only two periods. But I do tend to – if I have seven, eight spots, I'll spend up in that first period. Okay, you got to fill them up, like you said, because if you don't get them there, it doesn't even matter what the second period is. You're pretty much done anyway. So you got to get there. Um, 
Anthony Gialdi says, is it more beneficial to have a lot of closers to fill in the gaps each week or just go for starters and innings all the way through your staff? If a mixture, how many closers do you prefer? How many total pitchers on your roster? We talked about that. Yeah. Thanks in advance for the 2022 ass whippings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to uh, meeting him out in Vegas too. Uh, yeah. I, so I said, like, I like to have around 18 pitchers. If I get a really stacked team with a lot of like flexibility, I'll push it up to 19. Um, I, I do, I, I do prefer starters as a general rule. I'll kind of, I prefer power to speed. I prefer starters to closers as a general rule, but I'm not afraid to take those closers if they, they drop. Um, I like to have say between three and five closers. If I have closers, um, not that I wouldn't just have one, but it's kind of the strategy of having a few of them. So, because they kind of fluctuate in, in a similar manner where starters are a, kind of a different beast. Um, you can't beat like the two start week, like the two start week is so valuable if they're both good, of course, but it's hard to beat that. But a three save week is huge. There's just not as many three save weeks as there used to be. It seems like even for teams that are decent, a lot of times they don't like to use their closer, maybe three names in a row or something like that as the team gets hot, but he doesn't get all the saves. Um, you, you do a lot of closer because so many team because so many closers lose their job. You do tend to pick up more closers in the fab period. It's like you've got them in your contingency. You've got maybe the best six, seven, eight starters in there, but nine, 10, 11, 12, it's like, well, those are the new closers. The, Dylan Flores of the world and stuff like that. And those guys have value, but those guys can also lose their job like a week later. Yeah. It was either, you know, the, last year or the year before that the Rays, of course, you know, everybody's closing nightmare, but they had a guy get saves on like Monday and Tuesday. And then Fab runs Tuesday night. And I throw that guy up my thing. I mean, he is not the closer three days late. And it would be Kittredge, by the way. I remember that one very clearly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Mary, Mayweather. Merriweather, yes. the Blue Jays Everyone, got, he, got hurt. he was the big one early last year, and I bought him on like six or seven teams in that first half. Yep. He was huge. He was going to be the closer on the Blue Jays, right? Yep. So it's I bought fun. him in OCs and mains, but I also bought him in cut lines. Yep. So, and that, that one really hurt. I think I think we got one out from him, either one out or one inning. And no yeah, well, it wasn't much. It was one outing, I know that much. Yeah. Just dead weight. But see, um, there, there's – well, there's a couple of good take-homes there. The the power over speed, if you had yeah. to pick one, which yeah. is a, almost a flip from other other processes. That's right. So, so that that's a that's a big mindset, and I guess it makes sense because home runs are worth more than steals, and you can get way more home runs than steals. So yeah. that makes sense. And then um, kind of innings, uh, innings and K's type situation over saves in general. Yeah, and and over ratios too sometimes, yeah. right? Like a, you know you. Your, your Marcus Stroman is valuable because he puts up innings, but that type of pitcher isn't as valuable because he's not having those 10 strikeout games. See, that's that's just and that's the mindset. That's what I kind of wanted to get to on this show. So that's perfect. Uh, it's like it's nothing against the player, and it's not that they're good, not good fantasy players, but yeah. for this format, it's yeah. a different type of breed. So, like, even you mentioned Alcantara, amazing pitcher, yeah. but not going to win it that many games. So, yeah. it's like when you're comparing two players to pick. Alcantara is probably the better pitcher, yeah. but at that point in the draft, you might want to go for someone else, yeah. with, you know, higher ratios. And and he does. I mean, he's falling probably a little bit further than maybe he should have. He's going 51st right now in the last month. So it's still a very valuable pick. And around that same time, the same spot, you can get Julio Arias three picks earlier. Well, on the Dodgers, I mean, he's going to put up a ton of wins like that. Right. So, um, 
I, I should have asked you earlier, on these cut lines, are they all live drafts? Do they have slow drafts? How are they going about them? Um, I've been doing a lot of the four-hour ones. The only live one I've done is the, the, the black the lead. Um, so I tend to like the four-hour ones because after round 30, it cuts in half. Okay. So two hours is just fine, yeah. but one hour is tough. That's it. Like right. I've been doing like my DCs or NFC fifties. It's been a lot of like uh, uh, the two hours, but then when it goes down to one, if you're on the West coast, like I am and um, yeah. just a random weekend where I might get to go to sleep till like seven in the morning, you can get sniped because all these East coast guys wake up and make like six picks and you thought you had plenty of time and That's you it. didn't. That's and it's it, just right. Like, I mean, I, I tend to like it, you know, it freezes at 2 AM and opens at 8 AM on the East coast, I think. And yeah. I, tend to stay up until at least like midnight most nights. That still leaves two hours. And then taking my kid to school when I'm getting ready for work in the morning and, you know, you can auto pick. And if you're near a turn, you can auto pick twice. I'm usually well prepared to auto pick once. A double auto pick can be brutal. Yeah, like I always say, I have my cue. Like I got stuff just in case things happen, but still it never feels right. Like you feel like you missed something and it's just like, oh man. So I'll do the live cut lines too. And I will say the live cut line, the, the slow cut lines, and maybe this is the same. There are live DCs, right? Uh, yes, yes, there are. Yes, there so are. The, the, the slow ones tend to hug ADP a little tighter and kind makes, of makes sense. Flow the same live ones are are, are wilder. Um, so I like to have a good mix of slower ones and wilder ones because I'll make you know some mistakes in in the live ones, but like guys will drop. You know, you'd be like, yeah. oh, yeah, I got, I was choosing between these two guys here. I got the other guy the next time. Whereas yeah. the slow one, like, I don't tend to slide quite as much. All right. Well, you got me convinced I might have to jump in a cut line. Like, Let's this is, this, I, I love this. Well, I'm not going to get one with you. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that's the problem. I always joke about it because there's like fish and all those guys. Yeah. It does. If you're in on any NFBC draft, there's going to be like four, at least four or five dudes. You're just like, that's right. Like I, it doesn't matter. Your list so can only be lo- so long of, I want to avoid these guys, right? Yeah. Especially when you get into like main season. Yeah. I've got everyone's one going. I've got to avoid. And, and I've got another 30 that I know these guys are really good. And then there's guys I don't know that are also really good. Yep. There's no, you know, fish. There's no, fi- there's not a lot of fish out there in the NFC yep. world, right? Yep. Um, and, and not, not that guy. You know, he's, he's good at his DCs, but it's like, there's not a lot of dead money. There's some, yep. but there's not a lot. Yeah, there's not much. You get the occasional where you're just like, what yeah. are you doing? But uh, Yeah, and they jump in. And it's usually like me when I played my first main six years ago. I mean, I was de- I was dead money. I had no chance that week. Like, that's what, like, that's what you know, Curtis is being nice now, but that's what they're going to say about me and my first cut line. I'm going to be like, just <laughs> throwing stuff at the wall. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, it's 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 tough. You, you can only avoid with so many guys. And, and, and in main events, like, whatever, you're going to have, like, two legends in your draft, you know? All right, we have one question in the chat. It's probably not cut line related, but we can talk about it real quick here. Is Josh Rogers a sneaky ad for the Nationals? Um, I've looked at him in um, DCs because <laughs> it's like pick 700. Oh, but, yeah. But uh, he's not a, big strike- you, yeah, not a big strikeout guy. But he yeah. is projected to be in the rotation, and he'll throw innings. So okay. in that format, it's great. But yeah. other than that, no. So is he the fifth, the projected fifth starter right now? He's projected fifth right now. Obviously, that can change. This is word of those. Yeah. We wish we had more information, but uh, yeah. he finished the year, I believe, in the rotation. He made a handful of starts towards the end of the year. Okay. And what about uh, what about Joe Ross? Because he had that like he Injury. was a bad pickup and drop several times last year because he had some really good runs. He's injured, and I can't get He's a still hurt. Okay. I haven't got a final like where his situation is, so I've just been avoiding him. 
Yeah. Like, there's a handful of them I just don't even bother with right now because we have nothing. Yeah, so. if they ended if they ended the year like um, Clayton Kershaw, uh, Lance McCullers, uh, Zach Eflin, who I had a lot of last year, um, they're basically off my draft board. Yeah, you know. Spe- I, Speaking of that, for cut lines, like how do you deal with guys like Clevenger and Syndergaard? Um, I have taken one Syndergaard so far. The good thing about Clevenger and Syndergaard is that they're going after 200. Um, I tend to avoid guys coming off shoulder or elbow injuries. Um, And it's not just like I know those guys are good pitchers, but you need them to not only be good and at the beginning, but you need them to be good those last three weeks of the season. I'm trying to win that. I'm trying to be in that top 20 and finish top five. I mean, what are the chances that Clevenger and Syndergaard are pitching then? 100%. I get you. Uh, I agree. Strasburg, same way. Like, those guys are awesome. I'm not even sure Noah Syndergaard is awesome. He looks awesome. He's got the hair. He's got the body. Exactly. But, I mean, he hasn't actually been good in a few years. Yeah, he's Um, been kind of middle of the pack. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not gonna have very many shoes. I, I would say less than, than two of each of those guys. I have yeah. Lance colors in my dynasty team, so I'm not really gonna take him anywhere else. I already feel like I have my exposure. <laughs> there you go. And that's that's guys one of like the injury situation. I know you yeah. you like to dry, uh, draft a little safer like I do as well and kind of avoid that, but yeah, they also could be a value type thing. They could so be, yeah, no, that that's right. Interesting. That's right. And and Chris Sale's one of those guys like yeah. He pitched a fair, a decent number of innings last year. He's probably too old to baby. Yeah. So that's how I feel about he, Verlander. Like he can Verlander, innings. Oh yeah. yeah, Verlander though till his arm falls off. Yeah, I don't. He's one of the ones that people some like those injury gurus think I'm still crazy. But like Spore yeah. feels the same way I do. And I, I've said it since first pitch Arizona when I drafted him. I said yeah. they signed him for a reason, which means he can pitch. He's shown yeah. he can pitch. They're gonna throw him till his arm falls off, like you said. Yeah, they have no right. reason not to throw him. <laughs> yeah, I have taken in that range where he's going one twelve right now in cut line. I have taken Manoa, Cease, Darvish instead. Um, but I'm not safer, totally yeah. against. I, I want. I need at least one or two Verlanders just in case he is Justin Verlander again. Exactly. If he comes back, he's like the you know first or second round pick in yeah exactly guy. It's he just could like, be that guy you know yeah. I, don't, I don't know striking right? out 10 plus a game winning every other start or something yeah like, yeah that's <laughs> for the astros right i yep. mean these guys are super valuable yeah so that's a game changer especially in a cut line format and again you know if he comes into spring training and things look bad you can cut him like you said april 12th yeah you know so, it's hard you know you don't really want to drop too many guys in that like yeah. pick 100 but, like, you drop them. You, but, because you're taking a shot on that upside you're trying to win it all Yep. And that's, that's kind of the, the happy medium. Like they talk about the overall competitions. It's, yeah. do you want to play to win your league? Do you want to play yeah. to win the whole thing? There's different line, ways to go you're about. playing to win it all. Yeah. You know, they don't pay a ton of money out to the league. I mean, this year it's up to $175 buy-in and you can get that down buying like packs. A lot of people buying three packs, six pack, nine pack, you get that down a little bit into the one fifties, but I think it pays three fifty to first. And then this year for the first time, they're going to pay second for 150 before it was like 150 to get in, 300 first, nothing second. Oh boy, so you're only doubling your money yeah. for first. Like it is all about the, the overall. Whereas in the OC in the main, I really think like you have to think about the overall because enough of your money is going to it yep. that you'd be sort of silly not to think about it. But you play to win your league, and if the overall comes, it comes. 
That's yeah. that's my mindset in those two, and that's why like Zach yeah. Waxman was on my show, and he broke down like, well, if you need a punt category, it's not crazy, and you can still you won't win the overall, but you can still win your league type thing. Like there's right. the mindset changes, like you said. You do need to think about that sometime. Like, you know, I think I think I, I used to think about that not at all or too late. I'm always just like trying to like stay, do the thing, do the thing. And then I think like Scott Jenstad was talking about it. He's yep. like, it's 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 around the All Star break where you need to know. Hey, guy, I'm not finishing top 20 in the overall, um, but I can cash in this league. Yep. And so I'm punting stolen bases or I'm punting saves. Yep. Um, and you got to make that – if you make that switch too late, it's not it's not going to work. But you make it at the all-star break, it works. And that's what I love about uh, the content that's out there and just NFBC in general, and it, it applies to Yahoo's and ESPN's and whatever format you play in. Yeah. But it's the way your mind changes by playing with all these really good players that you kind of yeah. ha- it, it makes you a better player for sure. Yeah. So I, I like just those little things you can think of to. It's like when you're playing with your buddies, there's no overall. But yeah. like, how often back in the days you go, oh, I'm just gonna punt, you know, mid season. You wouldn't have, but yeah, now you can yeah. do it every season and probably beat them every single time. Yeah, and I don't, I don't put anything in the draft. Like I want oh, no, all yeah, my yeah, options yeah. open. For sure. Um, but you gotta be, you gotta be willing to make that change happen through the year. Yep, hundred percent, hundred percent. And you can win the league. Like you, you know, you can put a, you know, a category and win a twelve team league. It's oh yeah, most definitely. And like I said, Zach broke it down uh, for some format. The difference, like if you took a like two points and say saves compared to the 12 that you'd get from standard gains points, the difference yeah. to be in like the top 85% now instead of 80% isn't yeah. as much as you think. Like yeah. you can, you can definitely make a couple tweaks and make some magic happen. So yeah, it's very, very interesting to think. Cause some people you have that mindset. You're just screwed. It's over. Yeah. I'm done, but you're, not you, gotta be watch, you, gotta, you gotta watch like those categories. And that's why like the more leagues you play, the harder it gets yeah. for numerous reasons. But you know, fab becomes harder. Signal has becomes harder, but Really, I like to say by by mid season, I'm like, where am I lagging? You know, oh, I am six stolen bases away from five extra points. Like, I need to sort of think about that each time. And the more leagues you have, the more time intensive it becomes to really do that right. It's not it's not easy. Um, are we believing in Charlie Morton this year? Yeah, I, mean, I, I had to ask you a brave question. So, yeah. <laughs> and now I was, I mean. It's brutal to lose him like that, but you know, to still to win like without Acuna or Morton on the field at the end of the day is crazy. Yep. Our pitching was decimated the halfway through the World Series. I mean, but that's like an ankle injury, like a you know, like that's why I'm not worried. It's nothing but his arm. I'm not worried. I mean, yeah, uh, you know, he was a super value last year, and really, like he's going um, 106 this year. I mean. He's in cut line at least. I don't know where he's going in DCs, but I, I'm I'm not shying away from him. But there are a lot of pitchers I like right in that. It's not like I'm gonna get him everywhere. Um, like last year, I had a ton of Gossman because I really liked him like right there. Um, I don't have like one guy that I'm like really honed in on yet. Um, there's three or four of them in that range. All right. Well, I will let you go. It's getting late on your side, but uh, this was an awesome conversation. Uh, talking cut line here. I'm actually like, I'm not even just BS and I'm like pretty pumped to go check out, check us out some more. Cause it's just, yeah. it's a fun format and drafting a 10 team <laughs> league just sounds like so much fun. Like you get to draft yeah. these like loaded teams yeah. that, you know, at least don't you get used to it, you know? they don't all look yeah. like those 10 team leagues. <laughs> yeah. Not a chance. I'll get back to reality real quick, but yeah. doing so many 15s like DCs here lately, like a 10 feels pretty nice. A little cleansing of the yeah. soul basically. Yeah. So um, you gotta check that out for sure. But again, any final thoughts before we, we head on out of here? 
No, it's draft season. You know, we just we just want baseball. Please give us baseball. Yeah, all this mumbo jumbo. I'm believing in it until we hit yeah. March. Then it'll get fun. Then it'll get fun. Yeah. So let's hope the billionaires, you know, don't mind being like million point nine nine. Exactly. Like little exactly. things. But uh, everybody, go check out Curtis on Twitter at Jones Curtis W Cujo, as yeah. you can find him on there. And uh, thanks for joining me, man. Had a, had a blast talking yeah, to you. Thanks, Bo. Really appreciate the invite. Uh, happy draft season, and uh, you know, praying for baseball. Yep, definitely. I'll see you in the, the cut line streets. But for everybody, this was Bench with Bub episode 435. Catch you guys later. Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.